This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings reading our favourite childhood book, but this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we're reading chapter 35 again, still... And we're still drinking the Eliminator and I forgot to make the joke in the episode so I'm making it now. We are drinking the Eliminator to talk about Cirrus getting eliminated. Haha, <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> what a great character gets eliminated. Uh, sorry, so prepare a glass of your own tears yep. to listen to this episode and join us and your favourite person that isn't us, Neil, Neil, on this drunken reminiscent journey. You're not drinking it very quickly. What, Neil? Drink quicker, Hannah. Charlie's still got hers. Yeah, that's like her third? What? No, maybe second. second this is my bit, second. But I've had to slow down. I would be on also, my third, Your glance but... is tiny. Hello, welcome to another episode where Neil, where he's clearly peer pressuring us. Wow. Neil hey. is a massive bully. Hey. Neil's a bully. Cancel you all Neil. love him. So one page into my six pages of notes, here we are for part two of chapter 32. Five. I remembered just a minute ago, though, one of my favourite Kelsey's stories. Oh, tell us. Go, go ahead. On, go on. Begin. We, we've got Make no... it last at least 30 minutes. We've got no patrons. Tell us a Kelsey's story. Um, so this is another... This is back when Kelsey's, as I mentioned in the last episode, was technically still a sports bar. And they had, I think it was the Euros on. And we went there in the middle of the afternoon. It was just me and a few mates just sat on one of the sofas they used to have watching the football with pretty much no one else in this massive bar. Neil's a lad if you guys didn't know. I'm not. It was really... It's because the spoons was full. He's I, such a I lad. Know. Even earlier, so, Neil was just texting me infinitely misogynistic things. Oh, He's you know, like, I he hate He just texts me like at least twice a day, just, I hate women. I'm such I a... I hate women. I'm a man's man, you know? That's what they say. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. Um, lads, 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 lads boys, and boys, 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 yep, yep, yep. boys. Um, yeah, Neil really loves the boys. <laughs> yeah, but there was a guy, the basically. The TV show, the yeah, boys. The boys. Yeah, the boys. Which, to I be actually fair, do great, love that show. Such a good TV a show. show. If you've not watched the boys, watch the boys. Where is season three, Jeff Bezos? Give it to me <laughs> now. Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> Give it to me now. Jeffrey Bezos. Um, but it was basically like, we were, you know, relatively sober, just drinking, watching the football because it was somewhere that had it on. Mm. And there was a guy on the sofa across from us who was just completely drunk. Like it was Valid, about Neil. it was about four or five p.m. Valid. But he was like catatonic, and he was like leaning over the side of the sofa, just vomiting oh, onto oh, the yes. floor. And no one was doing anything about this because Kelsey is also because it's got a bit of a reputation has security. <laughs> so there was a guy on the door, just sort of not really paying attention. And I kind of walked up to him and went. That guy just like threw up over the side of the you sofa. You fucking tell no, knock, but knock. You have to understand this guy was one of about ten people in this massive room, and the security. I was like, I don't think he's okay. Knock. Yeah. And the guy, the guy just looked at me and went, "Is he bothering you?" <laughs> it's the vomit issue. And he like looked me dead in the eye like, "Is he bothering you?" Like I will <laughs> remove him. And I was like, "No, no, like." 
I guess it's not bothering me. Like, <laughs> is he okay? The guy just did nothing. Incredible. Like, is he bothering you? <laughs> um, they also used to have these uh, leatherette cubes that made up all the furniture in there. They were just these big cubes. They were black and red, made of this sort of false leather material. I have such a good mental image of this place. It's concerning. Um, the, the sadly, were they so all sticky? sticky. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, you know when you go in those kids' things? Yeah. yeah. They just had the big leatherette Literally, blocks. Literally, you, you know, um, like a kid's play area has that sort of leatherette, weird mm-hmm. plasticky material. It's that. It's that. Yep. And there were these cubes that you could just move around. They made up the very loose furniture yeah. in the room. But so like could... in kids' play pens, they're like just sticky with like orange juice and yeah. spit. Orange juice. Whereas Elevator. like, I'm sure so... in like Kelsey's, it's just like cum and sweat. Oh, yeah. I, I dread to drink. think. So much sticky. I dread to think. But basically they got rid of all these cubes um, when they did the rebrand. God knows why. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> they, found just new, at... they found coronavirus on these cubes. They, they actually did the same swabs they just did in the House of Parliament <laughs> and just found like the, less coke, but similar amounts. But famously, like there used to be no locks on any of the loos in Kelsey's. They were gross and like in like a centimetre of, of water. Didn't and half of have ugh. doors. I remember going down there and there was so much water, so little door. And I just, to a stranger, was like, could you just like stop anyone walking in? To a stranger whilst I yeah. keep. But there was one cube that used to prop open the door of the men's just by the urinals, which I affectionately called the piss cube. <laughs> because it, it was right there by the urinals. And right. I was like, some poor soul, because they gave away all the furniture. So you could go up on the day they did all the, the refurnishing and just take the cubes. And I was like, someone's got the piss cube. <laughs> and then I went back there How about a year piss? later after I graduated after the rebrand. And I walked down and thankfully, also not thankfully, the piss cube was still there. Wow. How much piss kept, is on the piss they cube? They kept the cube. Just wow. the one that was propping open the men's yeah. toilet door. It's like the sofa poof we used to have. My family being the we that we used to call John Barrowman. <laughs> oh my god, my family made the same joke. As did oh mine. no! As did mine. I just remember when oh me and Oh my god, all our families yeah. are so But I remember when the me worst. and Hannah first became close friends and we genuinely had to compare photos of our dads because we were like we no, both had the same childhood. We like like it wasn't called John Barrowman but sometimes when we're like oh can you pass me the poof it was like oh John no we literally Graham named Norton. it John Barrowman we were like can I have John Barrowman please no why do we all have the same family I know but even earlier because every family does like Christmas differently and me and Hannah had this conversation earlier we, <laughs> our families do Christmas the same but genuinely same. at an early stage in our friendship we compared photos of our dads because we both had the same childhood but both of our dads were away a lot and we were like what, what if, if this is a double yeah, family can you imagine if we were like half sisters luckily yeah. we have the same dad no we have different dads what the fuck is this eliminator we have the same dads, but they're in different bodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They just—it's the same consciousness between the. So, like, when my dad is with me, your dad is just there, motionless in a cupboard. Just... You know when Gen Z think they can um. Oh yeah, the, oh, like what's that astral project. No, like, no. What's that thing they do when shift. they sleep? Shift, shift when they're Shifting. sleeping, and their body is just like a robot form of themselves. That's what yeah, our dads yeah, yeah, are yeah, like. Yeah. The kids love a shift these days. Yeah. I wonder what happens at Christmas. I God knows. God knows. And your dad gets very drunk if what's happened what happens at Christmas. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Good My Lord. dad never gets that drunk. 
Lady. My mum fucking gets plastered. Both of mine. Anyway, let's move on. We're back Piss on. Cube. We're back on <laughs> chapter thirty-five, and what's just happened? So the last thing we got to is Neville has stupefied the cabinet of time turners. Yes. And they're repeatedly <laughs> falling and crashing, falling and crashing. So Hermione has finally run up and joined the two of them, and mm. has managed to hit the Death Eater straight away to stupefy because he didn't really see her coming, and the Death Eater falls backwards into the bell jar of time Mm -hmm. and his head (laughs) becomes a baby's head and then grows back into a man's head and then becomes an old man's head and then becomes a no I thought it did I thought this as well no he only goes up to his current age yeah I thought the but same thing. I thought thing. there was something about like having like white hair or something. No, no, no. His own wiry hair black. spurts back through his scalp. He only ever becomes himself. It isn't forwards, only backwards. Mm. Which is very interesting because it implies that like, however good magic is, you can't go forwards. Because it's never established as well in Prisoner, you can't go forward in no, time. No, you Dumbledore can only like... ever go backwards. Mm. Good limit. I think Good, yeah. I think it's a great limit. Yeah. So yeah, he's becoming like a baby head and then a human head. So eventually he manages to rip his own head out of the bell jar. You think he would just stick it back in until he got vaguely near his own age no, and then but, be like, but and you now. think his brain is like reducing as well. So he wrenches it out when he's a baby. And how he goes to curse him, and Hermione says, "You can't, can't, you hurt, can't a baby. hurt a yes, baby. Yes, you can. Just curse the baby. Right. So this is like one a less re- problem. Right. So this is a really interesting thing because, like, in my head, Hermione is the kind of person, and I don't mean this in an offensive way, but she would curse a baby. Oh yeah, she just she fully just got like umbrage raped in the last chapter. <laughs> Harry oh, is God. the kind of person who where, wouldn't curse. Where are you going? Where are you going? So I feel like Harry is the type of person who wouldn't curse a baby. But what I find annoying about that is neither of them know how that bell jar works. Whether it's his mind. Exactly. Mm. Like, yeah, Hermione's gut reaction is clearly that's a baby, don't curse it. What if it wasn't? What if he had his own mind in there? Yeah. And he just killed them? Well, because what Hermione is saying is it's morally reprehensible to curse a baby. But you and Hermione, a baby. And Hermione is worried, I think, about Harry's soul. Because we, what we know about magic is if you do something really reprehensible, really wrong... We don't know that yet, though, do we? In canon. We in, find that out in book six. In canon, we... So Harry doesn't know. But Hermione might. Remember, Hermione's a lot more well-read than Harry. But does she know? Because in book six, you find out about that in the context we of We know Horcruxes. that elements of magic affect your soul. We know that at this point. Well, if Harry's mother kept him alive through love... But do we know that yet? Yes. Okay, cool. Then we know that elements of magic affect your soul. So it isn't unreasonable to believe that reprehensibly wrong things, i.e. hurting a baby, might damage who you are as a person. But a, a lot of what JK establishes in this book and later is a lot of magic is also about intent. Mm. And it's not like harry would be intending to kill a baby well what, well what i said was that he in cursing him he's not intending to kill him he's attempt he's in many ways he's intent, he's intending to protect him because harry's trying to stun him which in many ways will protect him from harming himself yeah. because this baby headed death eater is yeah. likely to hurt himself yeah. and then harry in stunning him will stop him hurting like himself. I, either way you look at it it's either a that guy's a baby and if you stun him like he won't hurt himself or yeah. b that guy still has the mind of an adult 
And if you stun him, he won't be able to hurt you. Yeah, to me, stunning him stops him hurting himself. Yeah, stun the baby, I say. Stun the baby, Hermione. Stun the baby. I've not heard the intelligent discussion, but personally, I'm team cursing all babies. (laughs) (laughs) So the baby-headed baby has clearly got the mind of a baby because he's running around screaming. So the three of them sprint. They try to sprint into the room with the doors, but can't because the Death Eaters in there. Oh, this is post-Hermione getting twatted by some no it isn't purple magic Gnarly isn't purple no flames. not yet not yet not Are you yet sure? yeah so because the room they're in contains the room to the spinning doors mm, mm. so they try to run in there they see death eaters so they turn tail and run into a small office mm. and in that small office they're immediately cornered by the death eaters that are in the spinning room because yeah. of course they were hermione they all get impedimented backwards yeah uh harry is nearly knocked out neville is flung over some desks and Hermione is also nearly knocked out in some books and they're about to yell the location of the three of them so Hermione very intelligently uses a silencing spell yes. on the which really irritates the me because they're still the other Death Eater yeah but like she does what she thinks is good yeah and then as she does that Harry body binds the other one so they are like working together so Hermione silences one Harry body binds the other one and Hermione in this moment which is so so naive and really upset me because she doesn't realize how high the stakes are turns to harry to say well done on a good spell and it upset me because in some way she still thinks this is school Mm. and she still thinks that she has to say not has to she wants to say well done to harry because he's done a good job it's the only stakes she's ever known it's the only stakes she's ever like she doesn't realize how hard the stakes are so she turns to harry because she silenced that one and says well done, ha. And as she says that, the death eater who she's silenced, who knows nonverbal magic, turns to her and uses what we can only assume is an incredibly illegal curse that isn't... But unforgivable. Isn't unforgivable. Mm. <laughs> because Madame Wolfrey confirms later that if it <laughs> so was... like, you can break the law, but like, <laughs> we'll forgive you. We'll forgive Minor you. Crime. Minor crime. Because Madame Wolfrey confirms later that if it was verbal, would have killed her. And it causes purple flames to shoot across her chest and mm. she collapses down as if dead. And as the reader, you don't know if she's alive. And it's horrible because she's just said to Harry, well, like... Her naivety, even though she is the most it's intelligent also, of the like six, it, is sickening. If at this point in the story, Hermione was going to have last words, it would be well done, Harry. Oh, God, it's horrible. It really upset me. But on a very different note from this point, I think the this image of the purple flames... Gnarly the, as fuck. So cool. So cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. wizard fights are so colourful in the books. They're so... And they ruin them in the films. Like, yeah. What if we just use but like, this white is why This is why the unforgivable thing annoys me because it's like, as much as I appreciate that like, yes, there's a difference between like unforgivable and legal, mm. I'm just like, how has this been defined? Because like, there are some things that are like gnarly as fuck, like the purple flames that are going to kill someone. But mm. why is that? No, we why know that... Why is Crucio they're... illegal, but then... Def- Purple murder flames, not. Yeah. Like, and in book two, it's mentioned that in one of the books they read, they see a curse which turns people inside out. And from the hints that Neville gives in book seven, we know that there are fucking disgusting, yeah. horrific curses that are worse than Crucio. Mm. That are not yeah. unforgivable. Yeah. Mm. And I get that they're definitely still illegal, but I'm just like, why the fuck is like any of these... Unforgivable, but exactly. not those. Oh, I, I, I think, though, as well, he, do we know who directed the fifth film off the top of our heads? I yeah, it was um, whoever directed the rest of them. So it was Mike Newell. Uh, yes. Uh, like I think he missed a trick in cutting out all the colour. 
because no, I, but he he was going off the predecessors with that. Uh, well, whoever it was that initially cut out the color. Oh, full on Chris Columbus. Really? Yeah, film two is so boring. The fucking yeah. jewel scene is like, what if I made every film white oh, light? Right. Yes. Yeah. It's Chris. It's Chris's fault. It's then. Chris's fault. Um, because I think boring. Something that honestly the Marvel films do really well is representation of color in magic yeah. and power. Yeah. Like. I think the Infinity Stones are a great example of these mm. bright colours mm. showing that something is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Scarlet Witch, everything's bright red and, and you know that she can in- ruin you. And it's also incredibly <laughs> important to the end of this chapter and therefore the nuance of what Bellatrix does is lost at the end of this yes. chapter because it is incredibly important to the plot that Bellatrix does not shoot a killing curse yes. at Serious. Exactly. Because that it, is so important. I, I think in the films they only established that Avada Kedavra is green and that's it, right? And I think they do stunning spell is red or something. Yeah. That's Barely. They do the bare minimum. So you can have the sort of... Because that's what Star Wars did in the original films is that the bad guys had... Uh, green lasers and the good guys had red ones. Mm. If you look at their mm. ships, the TIE fighters are green and the yeah. X-Wings are red. I think that's what they went for in the films is like Expelliarmus is red yeah. because of Avada is green. But I think you're they right. Didn't, the, they didn't do it enough. The they, nuance, did, they did a poor job. The nuance of Sirius being hit by something that didn't kill him yeah. Yeah, and it makes goes it so the different. It's yeah. incredibly important and the film loses that nuance. Yes. But yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Hermione being hit with this purple spell which is not an unforgivable which none of them recognize and which if had been verbal would have killed her is incredibly important because Mm. it raises the stake like hermione's words of well done harry compared to this spell which wasn't even unforgivable is unknown to them Mm. raises the stakes of the rest of the book so high you don't know whether hermione's alive till three chapters time essentially yeah when Mm. harry I think two. When Harry goes to the hospital wing and finds out they're well, alive, Neville and- does find a pulse, but you yeah, don't but know you if don't he's even okay. Trust that. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, Neville is panicked. I do not fully believe Hermione is alive until a few yeah. chapters time. And it's also, there's l- there's quite a while between this happening and then Neville saying there's a pulse. There's yeah. Like a, a, a there's lot. enough time to make you go, "Oh my god, and is Harry's she dead?" Panicking. Harry says it feels like his brain there's a balloon inside yeah. of it like mm. J.K. Rowling describes a panic attack very yeah. well because Harry can't breathe I will say what I really hate is the fact that Harry's basically like right Neville take Hermione I reckon you can get out and get to the elevator mm. take her and escape and and what really irritates me about Neville's response being like no Same. we will take her with her mm. with us is the fact that it's like oh, it just from the narrative point of view I'm just like the sensible and brave thing to do is to is get to Hermione with, Get her Hermione to help. No, seriously, this annoyed me so much because we are meant to believe that Neville is being brave in this moment. He's being fact, dumb. The fact he risks Hermione's life further by saying, I will carry her. Mm. Yeah pissed me off because the brave thing to do is to get Hermione out. And I feel like this is a really toxic mentality here of like, I have to be present to be doing the brave thing. No, the absolute correct and brave thing here is to get Get Hermione out. That is still an incredible risk, both like physically and mentally to get her out. The brave thing to do, get her out. She might die. Get her out. We have established she is barely alive. Mm. Get her Hermione out. out. And like, maybe this was intentionally written to display the naivety. I'm sure it was. We know that the naivety is, like, this entire chapter is meant to be explaining their naivety. Hermione says, well done, Harry. Neville refuses to take Hermione out. Ron is 
cursed with a spell which makes him silly and he makes silly mistakes. Ginny, like, also makes stupid, stupid mistakes. Like, we are meant to see them as naive children. But yeah, like, Neville in this moment is trying to be heroic, but he makes a choice which puts Hermione in more danger because he is carrying her unconscious body around. Whereas to put her in more safety is to get her out. And my thing with the decision that he makes later on is that I, uh, like, I see it through, like, a childish thing of, like, I'm absolutely, like, I I can support that in terms of it was a bad choice, but I can see why he made it. This choice, I do not see why no, he made it. He should have he got Hermione out. He should have been mm. like, my number one priority right now is getting Hermione out. In terms of the good I can do right now versus the bad I can do. Can She's do un- absolutely <laughs> get her out. That is the most good you can do right now. I would have bought it more if it was like, here is Neville, a character that is the most best spellman in our year. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, he ne- he needs to stay. So like carry Hermione with us. And as much as we know that Neville comes more later on, right now all we know is he's not that good at spells. But he is strong. He can physically yeah. pick Hermione up. So at the moment he is the only one. Harry is not strong enough to carry Hermione physically yeah. out. This has been established by Harry being short exactly. and weak. Neville is stronger. He can physically get mm. Hermione out. He should... His priority should be saving Hermione. Oh my God, this annoys me so much. So we've established that Neville's a fucking selfish prick. But what did you have to say, Neil, about Hermione getting cursed? I just think there's something so visceral and genuinely quite panicking about the way that I think JK describes her as crumpling to the ground when she gets hit by that purple flame curse. It's like... You know, usually when people get hit by stuff in duels in the books, it's like, oh, they go flying or they sort of, oh, they get a bit of a dizzy head and they get up. But then this is like she crumpled to the ground. Yeah. Like, it's not dissimilar to the way she describes Cedric at yeah. the end of Goblet mm. of Fire, where it's like, oh my God, I think Hermione She's might be a big fan dead. of like, like a really brutal death moment. Yes. She does yeah. it again with like Voldemort, which obviously the film's fucking butchered. Yeah. Um, she's a big fan he of- He didn't just... turn into dust. No, <laughs> because the whole point was he died like a normal man. <laughs> Screaming. He, he didn't turn into dust. He's what was that, serious? Hannah? No, just screaming. Just crying? Screaming? No, no, no crying, no crying just screaming. Okay. And then the Death Eater, because Neville then crawls towards Hermione, try to go to her, and the Death Eater kicks him, snaps his wand in half and breaks his nose. And we learn through the Death Eater snapping his wand in half and through Neville's dialogue that Neville has been using his dad's wand, which... Explains a lot. Plot thing because we know from Ollivander the one chooses the wizard. You cannot just have the same one as your family, even if you're really close to them. Like it doesn't work. Neville has been using the wrong wand for him. Mm-hmm. Like I am fully on board with this theory that Neville was using. Like Neville yeah. also has self confidence issues. Neville has a lot of background there's a lot, issues. There's a lot in that pot, but. Neville gets a lot. <laughs> that just threw himself in that mixing desk. <laughs> that, Neville gets a hell of a lot better from book six mm. yeah. because he has a one that is appropriate for him. Yep, absolutely. I also think what this sort of made me think is why aren't they taught healing magic? 
from like the start. I know. Why is that not? Well, the, like, none of their healing magic would you, magic would have healed Hermione. No, not Hermione, but for Neville's broken nose. Yeah, yeah. and his massively yeah. bleeding nose. Yeah, like, that's true. I, I would have thought Neville's that, done too much coke. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for like maybe not as first year magic because I assume it's quite complicated. Yeah, but like it should be something that comes in a hundred percent as a primary source source mm-hmm. of magic. Now, when you think of like video games or any other any other thing that has magic in any fantasy series you sort of got your white magic and your black magic black magic being your dark arts as it is in these books white magic being i guess herbology and healing yeah but he there isn't a healing class at hogwarts no, right no there is no absolutely that should be because we know it's a thing because yeah. Pomfrey does it and we know and that it's so Lockhart much easier in the wizarding it. world to get injured so yeah. you think it would be easier to get the access to healing magic yeah, yeah. why like, isn't that a class and we know from book six that Luna because she's well learned knows healing magic mm-hmm. because she does fix Harry's broken nose mm. easily yeah but she only knows that because she's intelligent and reads around the subject but yeah. that should be such a primary thing I know I know it's crazy yeah. that it's not so, so Harry Body binds the Death Eater who has shot the silencing spell. And Neville feels a pulse in Hermione's arm. So we know as a reader that Hermione is probably alive. Mm. Harry, as we've discussed, tells Neville to get Hermione out. And Neville insists on staying with Harry. And you says know, he can carry Hermione. You know what really finickety thing annoys me? And this is admittedly really nitpicking. But it's like, he's just like, oh, I feel a pulse. I feel like it'd be better if he's like, I feel a pulse, but it's weak. Like, as yeah. we know, there's like there's difference between a strong pulse and a weak. And it's just like, she's not just unconscious here. She's severely injured. So it's like, I buy that she has a pulse. I don't believe, I don't buy that it's a normal one. Mm. I would rather he'd be like, I, I, I feel a pulse, but it's irregular. Doesn't or he, it's weak. he says something odd. He says like, that's a pulse for sure. Or something. Yeah, like, why does Neville know how to but take a pulse so well? I feel like the way he says it sounds like panicking to me. He's like, oh, yeah, that, that's a pulse, that's a pulse, let's but go, also, let's go. when you're really panicking, when you sometimes feel a pulse, what you're, you're feeling, feeling your is your own yeah. heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. So as a reader, I'm like, I don't think Hermione's live because exactly. Neville could be feeling his but own pulse. I would have far rather, rather it be like, there's a weak pulse and that, that instills a sense of urgency. Yeah. Mm. Which then makes it more annoying when he's like, no, I'm just going to carry her. But also, like... <laughs> Neville is carrying Hermione. Like we do not, we know, we don't know the relative heights of all of them. We know that Ginny is the shortest, so ne- Hermione is taller than Ginny. We know that Neville has short legs canonically. <laughs> but Thanks, like, Harry. can we just talk about the fact? Like, I think it's pretty textually well written that Harry would not have been able to physically carry Hermione, but mm. Neville can. Mm. And like, I know it's just because we were watching the Hunger Games, but it kind of reminded me of the fact that Peter is just like canonically very strong and like some of this reminded me of Neville of like he can't do magic but what he can do at the moment Hermione is physically draped across his shoulders here's my hot and he's take like, my hot take sidebar for a second here mm. the Hunger Games films are really good yeah we just watched all four Hunger Games and they're bloody fantastic this is really weird I was watching the first Hunger Games last night they're so good I, like so here's fucking the thing. impeccable I never w- read the books at the time after it was sort of a thing, I said to Hannah, I'd like to borrow these books off you because um, I want to read them before I watch mm. the films because I'm kind of curious. I read the books. I never bothered with the films because I'd never heard anyone talk about them. So yeah. I just assumed they were quite mediocre. Those are really good like, films. Like yeah. fucking impeccable I, films. I, I yeah. will say, like, because I watched, so when the first one, one was coming out, it was one of those things. You know, you don't hear about something and then the film's coming out. And you're like, well, I want to read the books. And yeah. I did that. And I read like all of the books in a weekend. Yeah. I, I just... They're one addictive. of those things I started and I was like, I cannot put this down. And oh, I remember yeah. it was like 
I think it was either, I think it was my like grandparents' anniversary back when they were still alive. And it was like, and we had like a big family thing. You know, we were at a big family thing with the book under the table. Yeah, and your parents were like, your parents like, put it down, put it down, put, put it down. down. We're at like a family rude, thing, put, put it, it down. down. And like, you don't understand. Mm. I can't. Yeah. And like, literally I had that and I read them like all in a weekend. And I will say, mm. I love them. And I do love the films. I feel like the films actually... Obviously, they were like a massive Hollywood thing, but I don't feel like they get enough credit. No, oh my God. Like, we finished watching them and I hadn't watched any of them since they came out. They're so underrated. So, These yeah. are fantastic films. The problem films. is that they came out in the big YA boom of yeah. like 2010-ish, like, and yeah, onwards. Yeah. At the same time as Twilight and Percy Jackson and that failed vampire's assistant adaptation. And, um, and Delirium. Delirium. And... Like, they all came out. Maze Runner. No, no, uh, I know the one. The, you, what you're thinking of was what I just called delirium. Oh, divergent, divergent. That's what I just called delirium. All those came out at the same time, and they just blend. Yeah, they just yeah, blend. yeah. But Hunger Games are like, yeah, impeccably good. I will say though, the last book and therefore like the last film, I thought were absolute shit. No, disagree. Hard disagree. No, I think it's Rewatch. commentary on propaganda. Yeah, we talked about we, this a lot. We we had now a long discussion about the commentary on propaganda. It, it's actually a great book. It's got the Prisoner of Azkaban problem where it doesn't have the Hunger Games in. It doesn't have Voldemort in. Where you you sort of think, oh, why are they breaking the formula? But actually, in hindsight, it's I just excellent. I don't know. My issue with it was like from reading it, I just, there was so much of it where I was like, I do not know Mm. what is going on. And obviously you can critique that from a point of view being like, maybe I wasn't like reading at the level. However, I'm sorry. Like Mm. I am, I'm a good reader. I'm above, I know that I'm like now like 26 and you can't say this, but like I'm above my reading age or whatever. Like I'm still like a good reader. And they're like just a lot of the, especially when they're kind of going into the city and there's that kind of like war thing it all happens of like very quickly all yeah, of a sudden. and it's just really confusingly described and i honestly i found it so hard to follow what was actually happening in the and the depiction of like certain like action and like war scenes i was like i genuinely Charlie, the, don't the Charlie the cat wants to leave i was like i genuinely don't feel like i understand what's going on at these times and that's mm. why i dislike the book because i was like i cannot fathom what is happening so then when i watched the film i was like well seeing it interpreted makes it make more sense mm. But it still kind of had that hangover from the book where I was like, I read the book genuinely at most times. Just like, it's a lot of just like war and action scenes that I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. And as much as you can criticize that, I'm just like, well, you need to like do a closer reading. I think if the average person mm. gets confused reading it, that's a sign of bad writing. I, I think my I main, stand by that. My main criticism. Let the Please let the cat out. I will. I just wanted to. He's, look, he's very upset. There he goes. Goodbye, Misu. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I, I think my main criticism would be she potentially introduces too much all at once. Yeah. Uh, everything she introduces is good. And yeah. she makes some great commentary. Maybe too much all at once. Yeah. But yeah. those films, fantastic. Absolutely. Regardless of whether you've read the books or not, I would say. Yeah. They're just yes, good films. They at least make sense. And this is the thing. So like warning listeners, I intend to have my boyfriend on for the fifth film um, because he's not read the books and this fascinates me and I want to also make a bonus episode so I'm going to make him watch all of the films and I'm going to write down all of the re- all of the bits where he's like, huh? I'm going to write them down. Has but he then, not seen the films either? No, he's seen the films oh, thank God. but he's not read the books so he's and, I'm like, and so I'm like, much. but surely they don't make sense and he's yeah. like not really. Yeah. So I'm going to write down all of the bits where I'm like, babe, just tell me when it doesn't make sense. So I'm expecting the first two books he's not going to have anything that no. he's like. But from that, I think he's going to have things where he's like, 
that doesn't make sense to me. Mm. So we've had this like, conversation. The mirror, just like, oh, there's a mirror now. Why? Yeah, exactly. But like, because we've had this discussion so many times of people that have seen the films but not read the books and how it can't make sense. No. So I'm like, this is mm. the guinea pig. But also his favourite film is The Order of the Phoenix. So I want him to come on for that episode. I understand. Like, you're about to get annoyed at me for The Order of the Phoenix the- film. Also, the- I think it's a fine film. It's a great film. I like it's it's, it's definitely not film. my favorite, but it's not my least favorite. So I don't think I'm going to get annoyed with you. But it's, um, a, it's actually quite a good adaptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I've not actually done like a close watching of it, but like I'm not saying I'm going to argue with you. But it, it's his favorite, so he might come on for that, listeners, and you, you'll get to meet him. And he's got an Irish accent, so you better fucking prefer him to Neil. Um, <laughs> hey, no. <laughs> but but yeah, I I just find it fascinating that he's he's not mm. read them, so I just don't think, especially the fourth one. I'm sorry, cannot make an inkling no, of sense. Not make a that. tiny bit of sense. Abs- that and the fact they never mention trace words or taboos, or whatever they call or them. Or the mirror. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like that's such a huge plot point in the seventh one. The, they just don't exactly. even bring it up. But this is why I yeah. wanna yeah. So I might literally I might make him watch them one by one, not like all at once, but over like maybe a few weeks. Mm. Write down everything he finds confusing and then do a Patreon bonus episode with basically going through my notes to be like, yeah. Hey, you didn't understand this. Here's Explain. the story. <laughs> and then there's so much stuff that doesn't even get a mention. But I film. don't want to spoil it for him because I want to make him read them. Yeah, yes. definitely. Yes. So yeah, Neville is. Um, I wrote. I am a simp for Neville because even though he doesn't <laughs> yeah. carry Hermione out, the fact that he is Harry is not helping. Neville has Hermione draped over his shoulders, and we know canonically that Hermione is not short. She's mm. like the same height as Harry, roughly, or a little bit shorter. Mm. Maybe Harry has only just overtaken this girl, mm. and Neville has her draped across his shoulders. Like, it's fucking hot. Neville. Yes. But this is like take her is, out. But I think yeah. the majority of the HP books deal with body image in like a really shit way. And yeah. this, I, I kind of love it, and I'm sure that it's entirely not meant to be. But it's like there are people that you get that are like chubby, fat, whatever. I don't necessarily believe that like fat is like a dirty word. No. That some people make it out to be. But, but you get some fat people that are like really muscular underneath that, and then likewise you get some really skinny people that are really out of shape underneath this. So I really love this idea where it's like. Here's Neville, this Same. like chubby guy. This Got, is what I he's love. fucking ripped underneath. This like, is what I love. It's, that it's Neville like has muscle been put- and fat is not the same thing this is what mm. i love that neville has been portrayed as chubby but harry could not have got yeah. hermione out and even though neville isn't carrying hermione out neville is physically carrying hermione like yeah because he is ripped he's a tank <laughs> he's a tank yeah love it. absolutely I love it and um, also like we all love a dad bod right yes um, <laughs> what was that it was a noise so they make it into the door room the the room with the 12 doors and ron Ginny, and luna kind of conveniently fall through a door at the same time and harry realizes things aren't bad because ron has gone loopy is the only way to describe him he has gone weird and is just saying shit like is just talking shit which is kind of scary man's high as fuck high mm. as fuck which is kind of scary because like we know from Ron's character that he will take charge when he needs to, and he is not. Ginny has broken her ankle, and Luna is the only one on her and has actually saved both of their lives. She stunned the Death Eater who broke Ginny's ankle and said it was difficult to persuade Ron he nearly wouldn't come. Luna has saved both of their lives, and this is when like respect from Luna just goes through the fucking roof for Harry and for the reader. I really, really love that it's like kind of like Ginny 
and Luna and Neville are like the last ones. I love so much that Hermione and Ron get taken out first. I think that's so intentional from J.K. Rowling. Yeah, and it really annoys me because this is the thing. I will always see sexism where, where there isn't. And it does annoy me that later on Tonks is the first taken out and it does annoy me that Neville is the last one standing. And I know that when you look at it overall, that like Luna and Ginny did last a long time, but still to- I'm just like, I'm just the like, youngest I'm, by far, by yeah, far and I, but away. I'm, I'm still, and as much as like, obviously I know that rationally that isn't sexism. I'm just like, if I ever wrote something, it would be like, and then all the women were the last people. Yeah. Because it's just like, I just feel like there is like an overcorrection due, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just, it annoys me whenever it's like, oh, and then Tonks was taken out first. It's like, she's badass as fuck. But Luna is last and longer just, than Neville. Yeah, Luna, but Luna is But it still gives me here. flashbacks to like the f- fourth book of just constantly like, and then Fleur did shit. Fleur did shit all. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it gives you parallels to Harry being like, he wouldn't have chosen Neville and Luna. And yet Ron and Hermione and Ginny in some ways have yeah. been taken out. And Neville and Luna are unhurt and standing. Absolutely. And I love that it speaks to how capable Luna is. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah, fantastic. So they say that they went into a dark room with planets. And, <laughs> and Ron, <laughs> Ron says that he saw Uranus up close. Jake, you're all like, this is not a time for Uranus joke. Really good. Jake, uh, Uranus is like, what if I put another? She's already done one Uranus joke in the book, and she's this like, is what the if I did another one? She gets to like a Marvel quip <laughs> yeah. at any point, like a yeah, really yeah, serious yeah. scene. This is the second Uranus joke she's done. Yeah, she's done one before. Of she's Lavender, got one joke. Lavender, can I see Uranus up close? Oh yeah. yeah. And then she's like, what if I make it again in the in the most tense point of yeah. the books? But so <laughs> Luna says that she blew up Pluto, and I have a question. Pluto is the one that they, they were like, this is not a planet, right? Yeah, yeah. And and now it is a planet. They changed their minds again. No, it's a dwarf no, I, planet. Dwarf planet, yes, sorry. But surely, and maybe I'm remembering wrong, in the time of this being published yeah. or written... Pluto was still a planet. Pluto was still but a planet. does that not vaguely line up with the right... Because surely, <laughs> depending when, and maybe I should have actually fact-checked this, does that not go... It's it's like J.K. Rowling be like, bitch, you're going to say that Pluto's not a planet? Well, <laughs> I, Luna I blew up Pluto and then it became not a planet. I think the timeline doesn't quite work yeah, for that. I think it's too early. I think this book came out in, what, 04? Yeah. But and we would have been in primary school when this happened. I remember. But Pluto got declassified in 08, I think. 08, yeah. I remember it quite clearly. We were in secondary school. But w- what I love is... Really? Yeah. I swear to God we were in... Secondary school for second- sure. 100%. Seriously? I, remember I really remember vividly. this is... I like planets. <laughs> 100%. But what I love is we don't know what this room is. I'm did- going to fucking ask at the planetarium on tomorrow. <laughs> what day? <laughs> did, did, did she just blow up actual Pluto? We don't know what this room is. Well, yeah. What, we don't what if know. she just blew but this up Pluto? Is my thing. And this is why I love this theory that she blew up Pluto. And then the next day, like the wizard astronomers were like, you know what? Not planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we don't. And they say like, at some points we were just floating. I'm like, what the fuck is this room? Like, This wow. is why, again, there's so much cool opportunity for... Guys, we'll find that it's 2000, 2006. Was it really? Yeah. So still, we were still in secondary though. school. No, it was the in-between. What month? It was both. Well, it just says 2006, so that was in the that was last year to first year of high school. But the book came out in 2004. Years before that. 04, yeah, maybe even 03. I, I like your thinking though. Order of the Phoenix came out in 2007. What? No, that can't be right. That must be the film. That's no, the film. no, that's the film. The last book came out in 2007. Yeah. Okay, yeah, film, <laughs> film. book, 2003. So that's there we work. go. 
But like, I, I like your thinking. I like your thinking. I like That's what caused the chain reaction. I, yeah. I just love the idea as well that because obviously they've got no idea what they're messing with in these rooms that she just blew up an actual planet. Yeah. <laughs> like, but they are. Like, they've destroyed all of the time turners yeah. like irreparable amounts of money because all harry cares about is trying to save them and i love that also why the hell can you just walk into the department of mysteries because Voldemort, the death eaters have disabled all of the security things we've already had an argument about okay this. sure sure um so anyway so the, we'll the, then three death eaters come into the circle of doors so the six of them throw themselves into another room and Harry seals the door with collar porters and then he hears the dentists go don't worry there's other ways in collar porters can be undone with a lower homor it's the opposite yeah. are you telling me the death eaters didn't know the aloha mora spell like Insane. they're like don't worry there's another way in what are you yeah. talking and then but harry's like they... run around the room see all the doors i hermione learned this spell in the I... first term yeah of first i also year. for a moment had the question of like how do the death eaters know the way around so much but then i remembered that apparently they had like five hours when they were on their straws to work out the way around so yeah this but is like, actually why canon. don't they know aloha mora this is canon with the pc video games <laughs> neil <laughs> I want to drown you in my own spit. Because um, Hermione obviously, you know, learns a lot more of her own accord and she kind of teaches it to you like this, you know, secret spell that just she's learned no. in the first PC it's video game. It's in the standard book of spells, Yeah, yeah, one. but clearly no one else has read that. No! And she, she, because otherwise everyone else in the PC video games would have gone through the mirrors and found all the treasure chests. Okay, it's, it's a very so unknown spell. even Bellatrix was saying she doesn't know the spell <laughs> Alohomora. Very so they're unknown. sealing all the doors, but they're in a room with like five doors. So Luna is sealing a door and five Death Eaters burst through it. So Luna gets knocked the fuck out. Mm. So five Death Eaters run into this brain room. They're in the brain room. And Ron... <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ron. Like, I feel so sorry for him. Be I feel so sorry for him. Because it's a literal it's galaxy brain move. <laughs> it's, it's not in there textually, but can we just imagine how guilty Ron feels when he is no longer under the influence of this spell and realizes yeah. what yeah. he's done like it breaks my fucking heart because he axios a brain <laughs> and jk rowling describes it as ribbons of moving images i love raveling the imagery is incredible here. but it's, also like she, she says never, that it's like reels it's of film, film. Mm. she never explains the effect this has on ron and i fully believe harry is so traumatized from sirius's death that he never fully appreciates the damage that has been done to hermione and ron we know hermione has to take 12 potions a day yeah i believe we'll get to it when we get to it but madame Pomfrey says there are some things we don't understand about the damage that has been done to ron harry never processes the damage that has been done to these and then two. it's never acknowledged in book seven never mm. when he reacts the way that he does especially to the horcrux exactly but ron has had I believe both physical and mental damage from these brains. Like I believe that mm. these brains and the memories that are capturing him are not just hurting him physically, are hurting him mentally. Yeah. If, if you think about the average brain that they're going to put in a tank, it's not going to be your average Joe. No. But also, so, if memory magic is sort of as weirdly simple as you know, it is, by some... the way, that's your green slime waiting for you. Oh, thank you. If it's I as finish my if it's as weirdly simple as it's kind of made you out, or ease one behind. I'm absolutely not. I've been drinking you, it in pints. You absolutely are. Okay. He's, in, he's in a much bigger room. Anyway, anyway. But I refilled us and didn't refill him. Oh. If memory magic is kind of as weirdly simple as it's made out to be at times, like the, the idea that these memories, these visible memories are like 
wrapping themselves around Ron? What if it's erasing his memories? What if it's altering mm. his memories? It's it scarring could be, him for life. It is such an interesting thing that she just never touches. Yeah, again. and it's really interesting because it's portrayed in a different way to how we've seen memories so far yeah. and yeah. see them afterwards as these kind of like white spermy things coming out. This it's now like kind of reels the film. It's, and it's very just like, sci-fi. This it's is, yeah. very and weird. And also this is where my Ron Hermione brain goes off on a little tangent because like Harry is too traumatised to understand what happened to these two but they know about each other because they were in the hospital wing together. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's okay. So yeah, Ron, and, oh God, I, I'm talking about it in the chapter when they wake up in the hospital wing, but I, why didn't I get any? Because we've already had refills and Neil hasn't, so this some? is his. Yeah, a little bit. Thank you. I can't believe how much that looks like pond water. Mm. That's a worrying pond you've been to. But yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> how you've not seen Suffolk. Wait, no, you've literally been on a pond been, in Suffolk so with the eels. eels. How, how guilty <laughs> I feel that Ron feels, but yeah. he acts anyway, as a brain. And so the they tentac- all kind of get like knocked out, inca- incapacitated yeah, in Ron- some way, aside from like Neville and Harry. Yeah, the Ron Death has- Eaters come in. Harry runs into the next room and is essentially like, "I really fucking hope that Neville will stay." Stay. With Ron, because Ron is having tentacles, like he's he's being restricted, and the moment Ginny gets knocked out is when she's screaming, they're suffocating him because it isn't just Ron that cares about Ginny. Ginny yeah. needs Ron to survive, and she's screaming, they're gonna suffocate him. She gets stupefied in the yeah. face, and Harry's gut reaction, quite rightly, is just like, I need to get away from everyone else. Mm. So and Neville then the death will stay and protect and, them, and then the Death Eaters will leave them away. Exactly. So long as I have the prophecy, which mm. is quite right, because so, otherwise <laughs> we know that Harry would never leave them. Smart no, move, exactly. But Harry. he's just thinking, this is what they want. I will draw them away <laughs> so, from them. So then he, he runs into the he, he, and he fucking stacks it down. himself down 12 foot of no, stone No, I get steps. it. If you run into a room, you're not going to be looking no, at... But, well, how does the glass notably fragile ball survive a fall how down... Do you, how did any of Harry's bones survive? Well, yeah, but let's forget his bones he's for a minute. Bouncy. Look, Harry's got really <laughs> good wrist muscles. He's Don't ask why. boy. He went like this... <laughs> But it clutched but to his chest and he's a bouncy boy. He's got big mummy milkers that actually shielded. Why are you laughing, Neil? Harry falls down 12 flights of stairs. On his big mummy milkers bouncing down every step of the way. Um, the prophecy does mummy, not sorry. break. <laughs> no, because we did this in the last we did episode this in as the last well. Episode. <laughs> and Harry stands up and the Death Eaters are surrounding him on all sides. But it's okay because Neville is here. Ah! And then Neville is immediately captured. Neville, stay with Ron and Hermione. Neville, oh my God. Oh, you are Neville. not going to help in this situation. I love you dearly, but you are obviously only going to become like leverage. Oh, get Neville. Neville free of the brains and get Hermione get out. Get Ron free of the brains. I, my, yeah. Whoever I said, I don't care. For me... This is the most gut wrenching bit of the chapter. Is what happens. It's just to like Neville. he's like, I'm here to help. Oh no, I've made oh, it no. worse. So yeah, he's immediately captured, mm. and Malfoy's like, oh, long bottom, and Bellatrix is like, oh, oh, I know who this is, and she's like, what if I torture him? Let's see. Oh no, if no, he- no! But we've missed such a good point before this. So when Harry first comes into the room, and all of these Death Eaters emerge from around the room because it's a circular room with loads of doors, and they all emerge, and there's just fuckloads of them, mm. and then Lucius is like, basically. Be a good little boy. Hand over the prophecy. And I'm just like, he's 
dumb as fuck. <laughs> oh my god. Let's see us. The last that I have for this man, bear in mind, I don't do long hair and I don't do blonde hair. And yet, even him in the films, bear in mind in like fucking Lord of the Rings, I don't like mm. that, you know, elfy little dude, mm. whatever he's called. Um, uh, Legolas. 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 Yeah. Like, but like, oh my God, elfy like Lucius in the films and like in the books, he just has such extreme dom energy of like, be a good boy and hand over the prophecy. Ooh. And I'm just like, oh, fuck me. <laughs> I absolutely would do whatever this man said. I don't care. Absolutely not. Like genuinely just nut. Like what the fuck? Harry, like, despite I love the sound nut. effect that came in there that was just me like enthusiastically just like. <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that originally and I don't Screech. know the. Harry, but, despite yeah. the fact <laughs> Harry, despite the fact he is bi, does, does not succumb to the dom energy. And I don't know how, but like, Honestly, like, oomph, like genuinely, just like hot as fuck. Harry only likes the the guys who who are hot, but no, I don't know what Harry likes. It's confusing. Yeah, yeah. it's very confusing. But then the, that's when the Death Eaters essentially. I think like Lucius is probably like you're outnumbered, and then that's the classic line when Neil's like he's not alone, and like I think no, I brought Neville, on not Neville. Neville. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, it's, me. it's just so, it's just so it's, easy it's to confuse. Neil, Neville no, Bottom. <laughs> But like I've made this comparison before, but there is literally a moment in Buffy when there's like the evil big bad yeah. that's so evil, and then like the evil big bad is like there's not a person alive that can stop me now, <laughs> and then the door throws open, of course. <laughs> and there is a character that we believe has been gone for the majority of the season steps through the door and goes, "I'd like to test this theory," but and you're like, "But also, yes! so- and this is that moment." But also, you're like Neville, no sweetie, but, but it's so because no sweetie he should have stayed with ron but in two books time he is the one that changes Absolutely. everything it is yeah who is the other side of the prophecy and he's like, just a bit premature oh my god like, he's a brave little man he's a brave little man who is two years too early yeah. and yes like it's fucking clever like i can't okay yeah so Neville is two years too early walks in he's like i He's got me stupefied. Yeah, immediately gets captured. But yeah, he's literally just like going around like stupefied, just stupefied, stupefied, and he's like, oh my god, blessed little heart. And he's just like, yeah, there's twelve e- death eaters, and I'm gonna go stupefied, stupefied, but stupefied, stupefied. So Bellatrix is like, oh, a long bottom. I tortured your parents. Let's see if you go the same way. Oh, this and is she awful. is she is delighted at the opportunity to mm. test it and 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 the heartbreaking thing. And then she does it, but no, but before she does it, Neville knows what she's going to do. Neville mm. knows who she is and says, Don't give it to them, Harry. Yeah. Don't give it to them. But also Neville knows what's going yep. to happen. Not only does Neville know what's going to happen to him, oh. can you imagine how many times Neville has had this exact nightmare? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I and can't. He still genuine, says, don't gen- genuine give it. shivers it's at awful. the amount of times he must have had this fucking nightmare. Yeah, and I just it's can't so deal cruel. with it. I just can't. It's so and it's still and he, he could be in that faith. other room. He could be in that other room, and he still has chosen to be there when yep. he's probably had countless nightmares about it. And I'm just like, oh my god, someone suck his dick. <laughs> he knows that he could end up the same way as his parents and says to Harry, do not give it to them. Mm. Do- mm. Okay, so then mm. Bellatrix does it. Bellatrix uses Crucio on Harry. And I love Neville. this line from Neville. Neville. <laughs> None of us know Neville's name. None of us know Neville's name. <laughs> and I love this line from Harry. In his own head, he hands the prophecy to Lucius. He holds out his arm and says, 
there was no choice. Yeah. I, I just... Because Harry in his core... Yeah. Because, like, we'll talk about it as we get further through the books, but there is... The wider Harry Potter discussion is how much you would do for the greater good. Mm. And Harry would sacrifice almost the war to not hurt one singular yeah. person. Which is why he wins. Which is why mm. he wins. Because he will hand over the prophecy to not see Neville go through that and might... My- <laughs> and then I think with that there's a whole wider discussion of like Dumbledore at the start being like this is why he needs to stay with the Dursleys and it's like so that he grows out, up away from all that and then how does that impact Harry but and there, his decision making later on when he's grown up with an beast family you're just like it's so full circle but there is but also it doesn't mean that Harry's 100% right because there is a level oh, of 100%. hurt that has to 100%. come to the greater good but Harry is not right but Harry needs to be the opposite of Voldemort yeah and and it's just like that one little like Voldemort, uh, Dumbledore makes so many fuck ups, and that's yeah. like the one thing he really fucking really does right. But it doesn't mean that Harry is right throughout because there but then is... that's a greater good choice in itself. Yes. Whereas like Dumbledore chooses to send him into an abusive family for the greater good. <laughs> the discussion of the greater good. Like this woman so doesn't believe in gender. It. I don't understand. <laughs> I am so excited to talk about the concept of the greater good because there is no right answer. Like, oh my god. But then, yeah, this woman who can discuss the nuances. Yeah, this Hang woman on. who can discuss Sorry. the nuances of what makes the greater good cannot understand the concept of gender. But anyway, oh. so just at this moment that Harry yeah. holds out his hand. The order enter through the yep. door, which they should Sirius, have arrived Lupin, two and a half. Moody, Tonks, and, and Kingsley. Kingsley. So, so you know the standard four men to one woman. Yeah, the uh, ratio that we have. You know um, that that classic. They that's, should have arrived. That's actually the uh, gender uh, ratio of the planet. They, yeah. they should have arrived four yeah. and a half hours earlier, based on the flight of festivals. But whatever. We don't know how fast they go. We don't know this. Shut up. <laughs> so fighting breaks out everywhere. People are grabbing Harry. It's very confusing. Neville saves Harry's life. Moody is down on the floor. His glass eye has fallen oh, out. Oh, that description was so gross. I know. Harry slips on it and thinks it's the prophecy. It's the prophecy. And it's, oh, but, God. Um, then Dolohov <laughs> goes for the two of them, but Sirius steps in and saves Harry. He curses Neville to have dancing legs, which, of course, rather than the killing curse, dancing legs. What I love is, as well, this chapter, it brings in a lot of the random curses that you've heard about in the previous books, which is fun. It shows that they're not just from the previous books. They're, like, actually part of all the fights they have. But also, it's still a bit wacky. Yeah. Mm. It's giving him dancing legs. Dancing legs. Get, whoa, dancy leg boy. Yeah. But, like, you could have just killed him. But no, no, dancy legs. Yeah. Wizards but, do mm. dancy legs now. Like. But in the moment of distraction, Harry body binds Dolohov and mm. Sirius turns to him and says, good job. Yeah. Just like Hermione did. Exactly. Just a minute ago. And then tells up, them, <laughs> and then tells them to run. He tells Harry to take Neville and go. And as he says this, he sees Tonks fall down the stairs. And in this moment, as the reader, you think Tonks is dead. Like I did not realize until I did this reading, it is written as if Tonks is dead. Oh, absolutely. Her is, yeah. lifeless body falls down the stairs, and mm. Sirius yells and runs to intercept Bellatrix. Mm. So Harry is trying to pull Neville away but Neville has the 
fucking dancey legs. <laughs> um, does no one know the countercurrents to the dancey legs? Like, even Lupin <laughs> runs up and he's like, go, go. And I'm like, countercurrents the dancey legs. <laughs> he's on Strictly Come Dancing right now and no one else is. Please, someone help the dancey leg. <laughs> so as Harry tries to pull Neville away, he rips his robes and Neville has the prophecy in his pocket. So the prophecy rips out of his pocket, falls down. Neville kicks it with his dancey <laughs> legs and it smashes. And according to Harry, we see this like woman with magnified eyes flies out. But even Harry is too panicked to register that it's Trelawney. Which infuriates me. Mm. He's very panicked. He's like, what face? What? It's like in the other chapter when he's like, is that Ron's voice? Is that my best friend of like five <laughs> Who years? Who knows? Who dis? I don't know. <laughs> Harry, they don't hear it. And Harry, in a moment I love, says, it doesn't matter. We have to go. Yeah. But then Neville is like, Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore. Dumbledore. And Dumbledore is here. It, it makes me wonder though, just to sort of come back to that for a second. I, when they describe these wispy things that come out, I wonder how mm. clear they are. Mm. It's like, is it clearly Trelawney, or do we just see this weird shape that is well, vaguely Trelawney? It's also Trelawney, fifteen years that previous well. to Harry. But there's like, her. I yeah. feel like there's some comment. I didn't write it down, but I feel like there's like a description in there of like her like kind of beady spectacles I feel like that's such a caricature kind of thing that you would associate it with Trelawney, you know? with Trelawney yeah. also like what do they do in this bit in the film because obviously don't. they cut so much they here. don't they just yeah. don't the they prophecy's don't. not in the film <laughs> I don't even know how but it's not it's infuriating but they go to the pro- oh I no. know Neil <laughs> oh no just, I- they just went there for shits and giggles I haven't watched that film in ages they go they there for cut- shits and giggles they just cut the whole thing because Sirius so, is there so that's yeah. it that's the only reason but Sirius isn't there so well yeah so Dumbledore arrives and in Harry's own words they he feels were saved, saved yeah. which Aww. oh made my little and I my love heart, it so I do feel like this is the first time we really get in the actual text, how fucking badass Dumbledore is. I feel is. like we did get it in the last one with the with the faux glass. And Harry said he could see in that moment why Voldemort was the only one. But we this is the first time we actually see him in action. Yeah. I feel like we see glimpses of it and this is the first time where it's like fucking unleash the Dumbledore. Yeah. Like, and it's so stop fighting. But this They is, give up. Like, and I was just watching the films the other day. It will never not break my heart. Fucking Michael Gamblin's like portrayal of Dumbledore is just the worst a war crime it's just <laughs> offensive thank you michael gambon you ruined everything yeah the thing is right i think if you separate what michael gambon did from book dumbledore i think it's a great character but it's not the Remote right character street. because he refused to read the books yeah oh. he only wanted he wanted the role to be true to what the, the script writers had written idiot thank you yeah so Idiot. yeah, Harry in his yeah. own says they says they were saved, and he's right because every Death Eater stops fighting. Yeah, apart from Bellatrix, and one of them tries to leave. One of them is like, <laughs> I'm out. See ya. Which implies he's more scared of Dumbledore than he is Voldemort. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. But Bellatrix, being Bellatrix, carries on fighting Sirius, and Sirius, being Sirius, carries on fighting Bellatrix. So Sirius, in the silence that occurs is laughing and taunting Bellatrix, saying, is that the best you've got? And can I just say that in the process of listening to the audiobook, I hadn't fully registered, because I didn't realise how close it was Sirius's death to Dumbledore's arrival. So Dumbledore arrives, I start applying my mascara, <laughs> I finish one eye, and the moment I finish the first eye is when we get to the line where it's essentially like, 
Sirius hadn't finished laughing or whatever. And I was oh. like, I have the wettest mascara yeah. on my I eye. I have ruined my mascara. I was like, I have made a fatal, fatal error. error. It's brutal. So yeah, it's Sirius brutal. is laughing. But what I, I think it's quite key that Bellatrix textually is firing red lights at him we know that red means stupefied and even though bellatrix laughs later when sirius dies bellatrix was not intentionally disagree why wasn't she firing a vada kedavra because i think as we established in the last chapter we think that most adults know exactly what this veil is i think she knew he was standing so that if he fell i think she knew she could kill him without using a vada kedavra and i think that she why would she care about not using i think it's more fun for her i think that the way that i've always read it in the books is that a vada kedavra takes an awful lot of energy and willpower to do as well Mm. see see, that's the way i've always interpreted it see i was honestly reading it that maybe although she does want him dead and laugh when he died a tiny part of her disagree did not want to kill him because they're cousins Mm. Uh, i think she saw his wasted energy i think she knew Mm. he's been cocky as fuck he is stood if he falls right now if he's he's stupefied right now he's dead Mm. i think he was being cocky as fuck maybe because he'd been in azkaban so long he didn't understand the significance of the veil and that's why he was positioned so close to it i think she knew yeah and that's why she went for the stupefy because she knew it would hurt so much more Mm. see a tiny part of me thought maybe she doesn't want to kill him but a much larger part of me thought that he was laughing and taunting her because of his years in azkaban he didn't realize the seriousness fight and even if she didn't understand the significance of fighting her cousin he did and in this moment he genuinely did not think that his own cousin would kill him yeah and i think that this is i'm skipping forward slightly and i'll come back but i really thought there was a lot in the line of Sirius is wasted once handsome face now we can read into that of harry being bi as fuck but mm. what i want to read into Naturally. it is jake rowling purposely chooses to use the word wasted once handsome and to me that reads the core of Sirius was that he never grew up yeah. in these 15 mm. years and the wasted is that he never got back those 15 years and the once handsome was he was the ghost of his former self when he came back from azkaban he was never a new serious he mm. was the he was a ghost of what he was 15 years ago and all he was when he came back was a ghost trying yeah. to get back to he james died then. he died 15 years he died ago. 15 yeah. years ago this was a ghost from for himself getting back to james mm. yeah and that's maybe one of the productive only productive additions of the film was the line where it's not just good job it's good, good job, job james, james. And yes. as much as I have mixed feelings about that line, I do think it was a productive line. It was productive. Good line. or bad, it was productive. Because I think he was that's the, actually it, genius. No, it was a genius because also I think it was. Him, I think it was smart, but it was maybe just a bit heavy-handed. A little yeah. heavy-handed, but, but they I made love the him idea. Handsome in the film, so they couldn't quite have this. This, but they waste. did. But also, like, I would not say that Gary Oldman is handsome, and then you have him as serious, and I'm like, I'm <laughs> confused. I, I also I love the idea though of like. You can interpret it the good job, James, as he's just so in his own yeah. head in that moment. Like, yeah, maybe it's a bit heavy handed, but that's just his instinct is yeah. to say good job, James. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I just love that. I, I think that's it. a great addition. Uh, yeah, and I think that's, that's what J.K. Rowling was trying to do textually with Wasted Once Handsome. Yeah. Was 
he never matured. He he died 15 years ago. He I'd love did. to know who it was that put in Good Job James. I'd love to know. Yeah. It was clever. It was very clever. Good move. But yeah, he died 15 years ago yeah. and this was him joining James. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, so Bellatrix fights, fires another stunning spell, not a killing spell. And this is where it gets a bit confusing in the films because they don't make it clear enough because of white spells. <laughs> but she fires a stunning spell and it's cleverly written because it's written in slow motion. It says, Sirius's falls graciously as if in slow motion. It describes Dumbledore's head turn. It describes the silence. It describes Harry's run and rude it describes harry's run and not making it time jk rowling literally wrote it in slow motion so mm. you can see the, the the moments of every character and harry because no one has told him what this room is it's like it's fine he'll fall through the other side but you as the reader already know he won't but and mm. harry is more childish than you as i the don't reader. know because as a as a child reader it took me so long to be like he isn't coming back i think it took me at least like well into the next book to be like i I don't think he's coming back. i I would agree that with that like i don't think it's clear yeah i think as an adult and especially post fantastic beast it is i think as Mm. a child reader i i was confused yeah yeah it is confusing and then harry is convinced he'll pull him out and it's lupin that grabs hold of him and says it's too late. He's not coming back. And in this moment, we're only focused on Harry's grief and Harry's anger and Harry's reaction. But the person that is holding him back Lupin. Is, is Lupin, who was only reunited with his best friend mm. <laughs> two years ago. His boyfriend. His boyfriend. His boyfriend. Two years ago. Mm. He only just got his best friend back and Lupin already knows he's dead. I think one of the other biggest mistakes the film made in this scene is we see Sirius's death from almost Sirius's point of view and it kind of looks like he's dead before he falls and that kind of loses all the nuance of this mm. scene in the books where it's like we see it from Harry's perspective we see it almost side on of this veil we see Sirius fall and then he just disappears well, also, he didn't fall in the film he floated up yeah, he sort of floated. going it was weird. to heaven like oh <laughs> god that's heavy handed <laughs> it is heavy handed because they were using all white spells like yeah. there's a lot of but nuance in the way that Sirius falls. When I read the book, I see this such specific camera angle almost from Harry's perspective of you see this stone arch side on mm. and you see Sirius fall and you and don't see him appear reappear. Again. You don't yeah. see and him that's reappear. incredible. That's just, that's, cinem- that's cinematic right there. Yeah. Why didn't great. you do that? And I know, and that's what makes me, I feel like, like half f- bow. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like the filmmakers just lacked a, a lot of the subtlety. Mm. They did such like, I'm sorry, an Americanizing of over explaining everything to yeah. the audience. Yeah. And it's just like, the audience will get it. Just let them get it. Yeah. And it's like, it's really weird because they sacrifice actual plot to make the films make sense. And then over explain to the details. And it's like, maybe <laughs> this film will make sense if you put the plot in. Uh, maybe spend more time on the plot and less time on over explaining the details that people will get through, like, inferation. Saying yeah. that, I think sometimes people give the audience too much credit in that when they did, they tried to do something like that in The Last Jedi. And my God, did they not understand? Like, spoilers, if you haven't seen The Last Jedi, skip forward 30 seconds. When Luke dies. Sorry, what? Yeah, <laughs> he just sort of becomes one with the force because of this exertion that he's done, mm. and they leave it very te- like contextual. You're mm. left to sort of think, oh, that's what happened. So many people online were like, oh, he didn't even do anything, and he just died. What does that mean? What does that mean? And it's like I, I think 
they maybe did the right thing by not leaving it completely contextual mm. because people are really dumb. But like, but... I think as the reader, Charlie is right. You're mm. meant to not be sure whether Sirius has died yes. because of yeah. fiction trope, fantasy fiction trope. It's for dead characters to come back. Yeah. And you're meant to go through the trauma of realising You're meant to be Sirius right there went. with Harry. Yeah. Mm. Of like, on some level, you know he's dead. On another level, you don't. You oh, hope the he's good not. Thing and they did. and yeah. as long as you do not 100% know that he's dead, you can't get closure. Yeah. The, the good thing they did was the fucking slow-mo of Sirius, of, of Lupin grabbing him. Because yeah. my mm. heart. Like, yeah. Oh. I, in both the books and the film, I just don't think that we got enough time with lupin i love david thewlis is a fantastic remarkable. yeah and i i just i love that character with all of my heart yeah. and i just don't think that we got enough time with I him i would say as well we didn't get enough time with sirius it breaks my heart it's that he dies i know yeah it's intentional. that's the thing i, I, I can deal with it with sirius because i see why with lupin i'm just like it was just an oversight I it just was just she with... didn't realize what an interesting character it was could've and also she more. was like this is a gay man yeah. ew <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, the I... man's got hiv no <laughs> but like I, I know i'm like english literature reading a lot into the wasted once beautiful face but like i do think yeah like we intentionally didn't get a lot with him because mm. he was dead from the moment he went to azkaban just could he, with a little more. he died the same more. night james did Aww. and he's being reunited with james and yeah. it's good for him because no it's not good for him he shouldn't die but he never would have lived a full life yeah. no there's so much nuance here there's that, so much nuance oh they could have done so much more with it yeah like so much more yeah uh, but then yeah like there's so much nuance in him as an adult with all those feelings that harry doesn't have access to but he's still allowed the trauma to lose yet another parent figure but this time in front of his eyes mm. yeah the one that he thought was forever as well mm. yeah like, because it says the the one the wasted once handsome face of his godfather it doesn't say serious it says of oh, his man. godfather yeah. harry thought he'd finally got it you know he thought he'd finally got the father that he yeah clearly <laughs> craves through these books mm-hmm. chapter is fucking horrible yeah and then uh and that's how it ends he's gone end of chapter serious mm. is dead cheers everyone <laughs> thanks for choosing this one neil no worries <laughs> brutal it's br- it's a fantastic chapter though. it is it yeah. is the, the one before it and the one after it also fantastic this section of the book is top tier harry potter yeah i would say mm-hmm. yeah did you want to say anything else like <laughs> you chose it the rooms I, well i mean one of my other questions so a couple of things actually the veil the veil we talked about it a lot in the last episode sorry right no it's fine it's fine do you want to give me a like a cliff notes because i'm kind of like we're undecided it's implied that it's this weird otherworldly thing i like your idea that what it was an execution yeah yes so so what they'd sort of kick people through it yes well no because it's supposed to be like in fantastic beasts you know when it was that weird thing that like lures them because they hear the like harry was tempted Uh, to walk through it he hears the voices but also we had a discussion so it's supposed to be that it lures them through it so what what we had a discussion Hmm. on is what is making some people attracted to it and some people not because hermione is textually terrified of it ron cannot hear voices and the other four 
can. Hermione's terrified of it, but do we know why? Can she hear anything? No, no. I think it's implied that she can't. She can't can. hear anything, and Ron can't hear anything either. Whereas so Ginny of... can, but I think because she came slow, so close to death in the second book, mm. that that's a connection to the afterlife. And then Neville and Luna can because they've seen other people die. Whereas this, this book... I feel mm. that it's not to do with their actual connection to the afterlife. It's to do with how much they believe in the afterlife interesting i i think this book builds enough text and subtext about the concept of death and the afterlife in the wizarding world with the festrals mm. that i think she's kind of building this idea that if you've seen someone die there's some inherent mm. something mm. that is connected to you from that i think it must be connected to that yeah whatever it is I, I find it very fascinating. It's good, it's good, it's good. I, again, it's good shit. all these little rooms, all these little bits of world building, yeah. there's so much there that I really wish mm. someone could write something about. And do you know what yeah. the locked room is? Well, this was going to be my next question. Love. What was... It's the study of love. Do we know that? Yes. How do we know that? Is that... All the ones to be locked. Post, post-textual interviews. Oh, oh, so that depends whether you count it as canon. It's just because it's just because JK is like, oh, I've never experienced love or any kind of you know fond emotion. She actually text. likes her own children. Put it in the text or let people write extra textual books. She says they're studying. No, actually, no. I'm really sorry. It is explicit in the text. Is it? Yes. Dumbledore says the one locked room, the study of love. When's that? In the scene in his office. Oh, in literally next chapter or chapter after. Mm. Okay, good, good. So it is explicit in the text. I'm just, I don't understand why that out of like the study of time or the study of brain. Oh, fuck I think that's so lame. I'm really sorry. This is one of my biggest pet peeves with Harry Potter. I'm right there with you. It's so lame. Yeah. I I get what she's going for. That this sort of, there's this inherent power. She's got a big thing about inherent power in things. But I do think the whole love is more powerful than all is yeah. so like, lame. I, I buy it as like a, a powerful so type lame. of power, but I don't believe that it's more powerful than the power of time, the power of brain, anything yeah. else. I think that it is just as powerful, but why should that room be locked versus time? Yeah, the brains that could kill you. Yeah, the, or the like the fucking time turns. Or like, like, it's surely so as much. powerful. I. I yeah, but one of my biggest pet peeves with Harry Potter is the love thing. Yeah, I it, really it, don't like. It feels like the entire out. concept of Harry Potter. Really no, no, no. Like I'm it. right there with you because I just don't think it's explained enough. Yeah, it's it's brought in as like a Deus Ex Machina thing where it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, it was yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. Love saved it, and that's all you need to know. Exactly. Next, like, I would be fine with it if it back was explained. In the seventh book. Like, no, I know, but it, it's explained. still not. It's still not fully explained. It's not explained. But it's the most powerful form of magic. It but doesn't why? need but to why? be explained. Why? Why does it need a why? Because it, it doesn't make sense. Else it doesn't make sense that, like, I'm sorry, it does not make sense that it's like the first time, like, Lily jumping in front of Harry is the first time her mother's ever done that. Yeah, huh? surely not. No, surely not. No, no it's I not understand. The first time. I. Like I do, I understand that she was given the choice I, to survive. I understand oh. that. I do. I still think it's horseshit. Give me a why. <laughs> Give me more of a why. Any why. Yeah. Whatsoever. It just—that's the kind of thing that just to me just sounds like it's been said post, where she's yeah. had to sit down and think, shit, why? Like it—it it is exactly the same to me as the um whatever we were discussing this episode. Shit, what we were discussing where it doesn't make sense. I can't remember. I'm too drunk. But like it just like where it just seems like afterwards. Oh, the Expelliarmus. It just yeah. seems like she's come up with a reason afterwards. Yeah, no, that does. Yeah. That to me is the same thing. She's come up with the reason afterwards. It it, it just reeks of like, 
oh, um, it was love all along. Yeah. It was the friends we made along the way. Like, <laughs> I really don't know. No, like I that. absolutely agree. That's I lame. Do. I was hoping when I said what was behind the locked door, you it's were going to say, no, it's love. we don't know. No, and I'd be like, love. ooh. <laughs> it was love sodomy. Neil. Yeah. <laughs> That's more interesting. (laughs) Exactly. The power of anal sex. (laughs) And on that note, that's the end of this episode. Thanks, everyone. Got any last words? Um, No. Great. Great chapter. Yeah, yeah. Great Great chapter. chapter. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for having me once again. Uh, Me and Charlie will see you in the next episode, but Neil won't. See you uh, next season, I guess. In a year and a half. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons Samuel, Samantha, Ronan, Nicholas, Lewis, Layla, Catherine, Hannah, Ash, Amelie and Alexia. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.